work of God. While you're turning to Genesis chapter 45 in your Bibles, I want to tell you that I'm preaching to myself this morning as I do to you, but the Lord has put something on my heart after hearing, uh, it was my, Pastor Cameron asked me sometime back about preaching this Sunday, and, and I heard his message on uh, freedom we have over sin last week. Well, that erased a lot of our, uh, a lot of our excuses, didn't it? We, have, we, are, we are free from the power of sin, from the past of sin, from the uh, penalty of sin. And I'm grateful for that. Then I came in on Wednesday night, got to be here on Wednesday, and I heard Pastor James preach on idols out of Isaiah. And I, I'm telling you something, God's been speaking to our heart. You know what? This church, there's been one thing about our DNA as a fellowship. This church has cried out to God for the presence of God, for the glory of God, for revival. And these subjects are not something we hit occasionally. They're a part of our regular DNA as a fellowship of the gospel. Well, what I want to talk about this morning is forgiveness. And I, I don't know if anybody told Pastor Darren, probably not. It just happens like that, that we're dealing with this subject this morning and some of the Bible study hour about it too. But I'm glad this morning for the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus took my place and in taking my place He forgave all my sin, my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin. If you believe that, will you say amen? Here's the reality. Whether you know it or not, if you've come to Him in faith and you believe the gospel that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again and that He took your place on that cross, then you, whether you understand it or not, your sins have been forgiven. And you are in a pro However, still don't mean you're not a mess. Don't mean you're not going to have to come back to Him and ask forgiveness again. And here's, here's nobody's sinlessly perfect. We know that. Here's how we know it. Because He said in the model prayer that we studied this morning, when you pray, say this, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins, depending on the passage that you read. Um, as we forgive those. That last part's what I'm going to focus on a little bit who've trespassed against us. Can I tell you, seated in this room are lots of men and women and young people who've been hurt. Watching our live stream are many of us who've gone through pain. And I got news for you. There's a lot of us that have caused pain too. And I'm one of them. So let me say before I start, you know how sometimes you're reading a book and on the front part of it will say uh, something before it starts. Let me tell you that I, led, I got to to lead this church for lots of years. And I know in the process of a lot of years, I've hurt people. I've tried to apologize and repent and make things right. There are opportunities I've missed. There are things I could have said in a softer way. It just don't come natural to me. But I'm not making excuses. If I've done anything to offend you and you haven't forgiven me, if you'll come, I will honestly and genuinely humble myself and ask for that forgiveness today. And, uh, and at the same time, if there's somebody in this room that you've been holding something, maybe hurt or anger toward them, I'm going to ask you to do something that we've done through the years and that is very, very healthy to do. I'm going to ask you before you leave here today to go and find them. You say, has that ever happened in this church? Heaven, yes, it's happened. I remember lots of times where in the invitation people get up and go across the building and find the person they had an issue with and make it right. I've watched people leave and go make things right. Um, I was preaching one time over at Wake Christian School in Raleigh. <clears throat> and Andrew, this is long after y'all were long gone, but I was preaching revivals over there. Some of our students have been there in years gone by. And I remember one morning the wind of glory blew in that school. 
the middle school and the high school students were there, and I just felt led to preach on forgiveness. And when I left there, <coughs> to God's glory, there was a line of students far as from here <coughs> to the parking lot waiting to get to the, to the office to call their mamas or their daddies and make things right with God. Make things right with them and make things right with God. So this morning, I'm going to go ahead and tell you before I start that everybody here is a candidate for what I'm going to talk about this morning. And if you'll humble yourself, you can leave here with less of a burden than you came with. Maybe something you've covered for a long time or something you've pretended like it was over. I'm going to give you four steps right out of Scripture that Joseph experienced to help us know what total forgiveness is. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And will you draw a circle around yourself and say, Lord, if you've got something to say to me, I'm going to respond to it. Let's pray. Father, you made it possible for every one of us to be here. You spoke to me, Lord, and you spoke to our pastor when I asked him about this subject. I believe, Lord, I'm standing here by divine appointment with divine authority to preach this truth this morning. You set the table with singing and music and sweet call to worship. So, Lord, in the name of your Son, I ask you to come in the power of the Holy Ghost. Speak to every heart. And, Lord, reveal things. Holy Spirit, that's your job. You, you convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and you remind us, bring things to our remembrance. Do that this morning, please, Lord, and do it for your glory in the gospel and for the good of this community and our families. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This subject was brought back to my heart not long ago when something tragic happened. And somebody that I know and love was hurt bad by somebody else. Now look, <clears throat> there's two or three ways for me to need to forgive you. One is, you sin against me, or you try to hurt me, or you try to hurt somebody in my family. But my next circle is my church family. And the claws come out. I still have to deal with my flesh. Don't act like you're spiritual this morning. You never have these feelings. But when I saw someone that I care about hurt in such a foolish way, I felt anger rising up in me. And the next thing I know, I wasn't just mad about it. I was telling other people how mad I was about it. And the Holy Ghost said, through the offended friend, they were, de they were dealing with it. Me, I wasn't dealing with it. And the Lord said, you've not forgiven. Let me tell you what that'll do. That'll log jam your whole Christian life. It'll affect your prayer life. It'll affect power in your life. And the Lord convicted me, and I'm in the process. I like what you said this morning. Sometimes it ain't instantaneous. I'm in the process of forgiving some ignorant people. Can I say ignorant? That's a Bible word. I've been ignorant before. Not only that, in my small group, I love my small group. Are you all in a small group? If you're not, you're missing out on something pretty special. It's like a small unit of the large family. In my small group, somebody that I love shared a broken with tears of a tragedy in their family. And my small group knows it, but you ain't going to know it because we don't let nothing go outside of that small group. And when she said it, immediately the burden she had struck me. And then the same thing happened to me. I got angry again. I got mad because of the hurt that 
someone had experienced in her family and her. And then in her testimony, she said, and the Lord said to me, you have to pray for him. She said, I said to God, Lord, I don't want to pray for him. Now, don't you act like you've never been here. If you're saved and the Lord convicts you, you know good and well. It ain't right to harbor that ill will, but there's some awful things people do. And this was horrendous what had happened. And then the Lord spoke to her testimony, you're going to have to forgive them too now. Or either you're going to carry this around. And the Lord's confirming what he wanted me to preach this morning, Pastor Cameron. I wonder how many family hurts are in this room. I don't like the, uh, the, the cycle. I'm going to get in the Word in just a minute. But I don't like the cycle of how things work. You remember, you remember when your kids are little? They think you're the greatest thing ever. They want to be with you, sitting on that lap. They get a little older, they don't know who you are. Fact, they, they never heard of you before. Roll their eyes and thank God I'm past that in, with my children. They're older now and they love us again. You know what I'm saying? They come back, love you again. Then the grandchildren come. Oh my goodness. They dote on you. Every word. Oh granddaddy, I love you granddaddy. Where are we? And then they get older. And then you're in a mess. No, here's the deal. The Lord's teaching me he's enough. He's enough. Doesn't mean we don't need and want all that, but there are hurts that go along with that. But I was thinking of a few more. Maybe some wives who've been hurt and their husbands need to say to them after saying it to God, would you forgive me? I haven't shepherded you the way I should. Would you forgive me? I haven't listened to you. I haven't protected you. I haven't spent time with you or taken you out on dates. I haven't worked at my appearance. I haven't pursued you. Maybe there are some wives in this room that need to say to God, Lord, forgive me, and to their husbands, forgive me, I haven't respected you the way I should, or honored you, or followed you. I've not worked on my appearance and appeal. I've not pursued you. You saw we're old, we don't have... No, no, that never changes. That doesn't stop. Or maybe there are some parents that need to say to their sons and daughters, around the table today, hey, would you forgive me? God, forgive me, and you please forgive me, because... I've not been a very good example. I've not been a very good leader to you. I'm, I'm embarrassed and I apologize for the things that you've seen and heard in our home. I haven't protected you as I should to your children. I haven't prevented you from experiencing some things that should have never happened. I haven't listened to you. Or maybe there's some children that need to say to their, or teenagers and students need to say to their parents, hey, would you forgive me? Forgive me for the way I've spoken to you. The way I've spoken about you. The way I haven't respected you. The way I haven't honored you. The way I haven't wanted you much around. And then there's that group that we don't talk about nearly as enough in the church. It's the single adults. And you know what's true about them? About you guys? And about all of us? Did you know... Most of us have been single in the past, even for a small time, but could well be single again. And the widows, widowers in the room know exactly what I'm talking about. And do you know, you know where we've failed them and you know where they need to deal with the forgiveness toward us in that as a body? Is we haven't included them. Did you know what the family is for a single adult? You know what? Their family is us. 
Their family is you taking them out to supper or inviting them to your home for, for game night or to watch a movie together. I have failed the Lord in that and I've asked God to forgive me. And by His grace, there are going to be more of them included in my little routine. All I'm telling you is there's a need for forgiveness throughout this faith community and really all over the world. Someone has said about single adults, they're the largest unreached people group in the world. Could be true, I don't know. I'm just simply telling you that God is speaking to me on these levels. Look at chapter, keep your finger here in 45, look back to 37. I just want you to see one part. If you want to follow me in this story, you can. I'm going to give you a background for about five minutes, then I'm going to jump in and give you four ways to know if you've totally forgiven. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost does, though. He's already started bringing people situations in your heart right now. He's a way better preacher than me. Pastor Cameron, we, we depend on him. He's listening, and he's speaking this morning, and if he's bringing somebody to your heart, stop making excuses about it. Stop saying, well, he was, it was her, it was he, it was them, it was that time in life, I've dealt with this. Well, we're going to find out if you have based on what the Bible has to say. But you know this story very well, and it's a true story. It's the story of Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Do you remember And Jacob had 12 sons, and the next to the last one was Joseph. Joseph was an unusual character. He was a child born of old age. How many of you know, even though he wasn't the baby, he was almost the baby. There were two babies almost in that family. And then the babies, the last born, I hate to tell you all this, the ones in this room, you are a little favored. And uh, so Joseph was favored. His father just thought he was wonderful. Everything he said, he wanted him on his knee all the time. He loved him so much, Jacob did. As a matter of fact, he did something that set him apart from all of his brothers. He made him a coat. There's only two people in all of time that's ever had a coat of many colors made. Him and Dolly Parton. They're the only two, I think, that ever had. had yeah, I knew you'd get a chuckle from the old country music people in the room. Listen to this. I want you to make sure you understand it. That caused his brothers to hate him. Not just that, but the favor that his daddy was showing to him. And I don't know, maybe Jacob knew what God had planned. Who knows? We don't know. Maybe God gave him a little discernment to let him know some of what his son Joseph was about to experience. But his favor of him made his brothers hate him. And so in chapter 37, the Bible says, he comes walking up and saying, Oh, I've dreamed a dream, and my sheaf is here, and your sheaves are bowing down to mine, and and you're going to all serve me one day. Well, yeah, we are. We're going to serve you up right now to some animals. We're going to kill you and put you in a pit. And he goes from the pit. His brother says, Don't kill him. Put him in the pit. So they put him in a pit, and they say, Well, that's not beneficial. And so he goes to the pit. And and somebody said he was probably in absolute oblivion. Why don't my brothers love me? Their sheaf is not bowing down. He had a second, I got another dream. He's down in the pit, probably hollering. I have another dream. Shut up. We don't want to hear your dream. But they put him in the pit, and then they sell him. You remember this? In the next few chapters, we hear of the story of the Midianites coming. And they, he's sold into bondage. And he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house. You know the scene. You've read this. But he goes and he's sold into this house as a slave. But he's such a favored young man. He starts doing better. And he's starting to be responsible more and more. And his, his uh, master, Potiphar, sees this. And so he puts him over everything in the house. 
Before long, he's responsible for everything, all the resources. I mean, he's overseeing it all. And the only person that he's not in authority over is Potiphar's wife. But the Bible says he was well-favored, handsome, TDH probably. Tall, dark, and handsome, like some of us. But yet, in the middle of all this, watch what happens. She begins to have feelings for him, at least lustful feelings at the very least. And she allures him. And instead of falling prey to that, look at how much integrity he has. He said, number one, I'm not going to sin against God in doing this. This tells you something about his relationship with God, even though he's in such a desperate place. But I'm also not going to sin against my master. He's trusted me, and I'm not going to do it. And she continues to pursue him. You know how those women are. Until finally, she, he has to leave. She grabs his cloak. She says, this happened. Could have easily been, you know, uh, in, in, we know in this culture, could have gone either way. But he, ran, he runs. She tells a lie. And he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house to where? To prison. He goes to prison, but he goes to prison. Listen to this, every one of you that have been in prison. He goes to prison in the will of God. He goes to pr- prison, and God has a plan in that prison. One time, years ago, a different class, I'm talking about my Sunday school class now, a different class, I said, all right, how many of us have been in jail? I promise you, that particular Sunday morning, every one of them raised their hand but me. I was the only one that had been in jail. And I did jail ministry, so I almost raised my hand that I've actually been there too. Here, let me tell you something. Don't beat yourself up because you've gone down some rough roads. Listen to me. God can take care of every bit of that. And if you're saved, He already has. But in this moment, He meets two people. You remember who He meets? He meets the butler and the baker. And this is not a, this is not a fairy tale. This is reality. And so in chapter 40, He meets the butler and the baker. And each of them have a dream. He's in prison for a while. We're not sure exactly how long. But they come and say, hey, Joseph... Would you have any idea about the interpretation of these dreams? And he says, well, look at, I love what he says in verse 8, chapter 40. Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me, I pray you. And so the butler tells him his dream, and he said, I'll tell you what's going to happen to you. In three days, Pharaoh's going to get you out of here. You're going to go back to your position. Everything's going to be great. Hey, by the way, when you go, don't forget me. Don't forget to tell him you met me here. I, 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 and I'd, I'd like to get out too. And then, because of the nice interpretation he gave to the butler, the baker says, hey, i got one too. Here's mine. You can read all about it if you have time later this afternoon. And he says, I hate to tell you this, but your interpretation is a little different. In three days, they're going to cut your head off. You're going to die. And sure enough, in three days, that dream, that prophecy came to pass. Now, can you only imagine that Joseph's stock about now is starting to go up? Everybody's starting to recognize who this man of God is. He's starting to gain recognition before God before he ever sees the Pharaoh. So he's gone from the pit to Pharaoh's house to the prison. And then Pharaoh has a dream. Two more years pass. And finally the butler, bless his heart, finally acknowledges and says, hey, there is a guy down. Okay, they pull him out. He comes before the Pharaoh and he gives the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Seven years of of plenty and then seven years of leanness. And he says, uh, you need to seek out somebody that's wise. And Pharaoh said, I know who it would be, you. And he places him in authority over that, second only to the Pharaoh. And here he is. You remember what happens next. After two years, things start getting terrible. Famine in the land. People are dying. Most of us have never experienced that kind of devastation. But when famine comes, it's terrible. Starvation. 
everywhere. And it started hitting his family. So back home where daddy is, Jacob and his brothers and their children and their, and their children, the whole community of that family starts to be in want. They're hungry. So he sends Jacob, daddy, sends Joseph's brothers to go and to try to go down to Egypt and get some corn. He finds out they've got some corn. This is into the famine time. And when they get there, Joseph's heart's broken. But I want to show you four things out of chapter 45 as to how to know. How will I know, Pastor Tom, when I have genuinely and totally forgiven? I want to tell you, first of all, that if you're dealing with devastation, this morning's message in the Word of God, you need a little more. I would encourage you to pick up a book God gave me years ago by a man by the name of R.T. Kendall. The book is called Total Forgiveness. R.T. Kendall, Total Forgiveness. R.T. Kendall served at the Westminster Chapel in London where Martin Lloyd-Jones, G. Campbell Morgan, some of those guys served. And he has written a book on total forgiveness. I, we don't agree with everything in it, but the material on forgiveness and some of what God's given me here came from the study of that book, Total Forgiveness. And I would encourage you to get past this past. Deal with your pain. Deal with your past. God has a bright future for you. And this morning I want to remind you, this forgiving God loves you and is full of grace and is welcoming you home this morning. Look at chapter 45, beginning in verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them. In fact, let's read it responsibly. Uh, if you don't have a King James translation, read softly. Nobody will know. Uh, if you have mine, read aloud with me on the even verses. 2, 4, 6, and so on. Uh, we'll go through verse 15. Look at, look at verse 1 and read with me on 2. Wait, wait till I get to 2. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them. His brothers are there. Remember all the past he's had with them that stood by him. And he cried to all those that were there, all the Egyptians, Cause every man to go out from me. So they all left. And, they, and there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him. They're scared to death. For they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. <coughs> now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves. Listen to this forgiveness. That you sold me hither or here. For God did send me before you to preserve life together. For these two years hath the famine been in the land. And yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste you or hurry and go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. And thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee. I'm going to take care of y'all. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. 
And behold, your eyes see the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. Don't I look like him? And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that you have seen, and that ye shall haste, and bring down my father here or hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck. Look at this. Just imagine this scene. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. The last verse. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren. And he wept upon them. And after his brethren, and after that, his brethren talked with him. Pastor Tom, how in the world did this happen? How could a boy who sold as a young man, betrayed by his family, lied on, some wanted to kill him, sold into slavery, lied upon, imprisoned falsely, false accused. How in the world could he show such grace and forgiveness? Only one way, God. If you try to do this in your flesh, you'll be a miserable failure. But Joseph was walking with God. Joseph, God had a plan for his life, like God has a plan for your life. Someone asked me one time, he said, you know, even though it takes no grace to forgive when asked, what about when people don't ask? They've hurt me, Pastor. I'm sitting right here, and I'm scarred because of what happened in that first marriage. I'm, I'm scarred because of what happened in my past, that abuse, that betrayal. Why don't, if they don't even ask or even take responsibility or even think they're wrong, how can I forgive them? Well, I would just say Moses did. Remember what he said? Lord, forgive them, my people, or it blot my name out. And not only did Moses, Stephen did, they're throwing stones at him. He said, Lord, lay not this to their charge. I don't get it. It's hard for me to forgive you. I already told you. I not only have a hard time forgiving people that have hurt me, I have a hard time forgiving people that have hurt you and hurt others. And then Jesus did it. He's the best example. He, listen to what he said on the cross. You remember what he said? Finish this with me. Father, forgive them for they, they know not what they do. Now, I want you to write these four things down if you have something to write with. And I, I want you just to know if you've really forgiven or not. Students, I want to tell you, you guys and gals face this too. Single adults, you face this. How will I know if I've really forgiven? And have I been forgiven? Number one, I want you to see what happens in really before this text. In all the reading from 37 to 45, did anybody ever see Joseph talking about his pain? Talking about, you know, everybody wants to say, let's talk about it. We need to sit down and talk about it. And there are times we need, but there's a time to take it to God, talk to him about it, and be done. Let me tell you what Joseph did. Number one, never speak of it again. Stop speaking of it. Joseph, when he went into the pit, when he got to the Pharaoh's house, when he was in prison, he didn't just keep talking about it. One of the ways I knew I hadn't forgiven somebody years ago that hurt me is every time somebody would bring up their name, I'd, I'd chime in on the chorus and tell you how sorry they were and what they'd done to me. You see, what happens is when you really are forgiven, they're not, it's not on your forefront. You're not thinking about it all the time. You don't have to rehearse it. And yet, when that is so much before you, I don't see that in him. And what I see even more beautiful is this. God knows a lot about you. God knows a lot about me. He knows every mess I've ever had. But he don't bring it back up. 
And I would challenge you, you know what, people think that making somebody else look bad somehow makes me look good. You know that don't work. Never has worked for me. Made me look like an idiot. But it didn't make anybody else uh, look bad compared to me looking better. Here's my point on all of it. One of the ways I knew that I had not been forgiven, that, excuse me, that I had not forgiven is I kept talking about it. When I walk through the principles I'm getting ready to share with you and I ask God to rid me of this terrible unforgiveness that I acknowledge was a sin, He did it. And now I can see that individual and I can hug their neck if they let me. I'm watching to see if I feel something slide between that fifth rib, but still, I, I'm free. You understand? I'm free of that. Number one, stop speaking of it. And never speak of it again. Number two, second thing I see in verse one, <clears throat> he said, before all them that stood by, he cried, every man go out from me. All you Egyptians, step out. I've got something to do privately here. The second thing I want you to see is, here's how you're going to know if you're forgiven. When you let those who have hurt you save face. When you, you make an effort to let those who've hurt you the most save face. What are you talking about? It would have been so humiliating for his brothers, wouldn't it? If he'd have kept all those Egyptians in there and in front of all of them said, These are my brothers. They, they sold me into slavery. They have betrayed me. I was in prison because of them. By the way, he doesn't speak of it, number two, and he makes every effort to keep them from being feeling the weight of it and and he's making those who hurt him, he's helping them save face. And that's how you're going to know if you forgive. It's one thing to say those words. And it, it bothers me. Oh, I love the pious people. Don't you love them? Where you go to them and you say, hey, will you forgive me? Oh, I forgave you when it happened. Sure you did. That's why you've been giving me the stink eye for 20 years. Let me tell you this. Listen to me. When someone ever comes to you and asks for forgiveness, humble yourself. I heard somebody say this years ago, it's really helped me. Meet emotion with emotion. If someone comes to me broken, I want to respond to them in their brokenness and empathize in that. I want us to understand what this means. Make an effort. You say, well, I don't want to make an effort. Well, you haven't forgiven. You're not right with God. Let them save face. Number three, look at verse five. He says something to them here that I, I it, it, this is grace. Now therefore, be not grieved, he says to his brothers. Don't be angry with yourselves you, that you sold me down here. For God did send me before you to preserve life. Look at verse eight. So now it was not you that sent me here or hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to the Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the land of Egypt. Did you see the third thing he did? He didn't even allow them to feel guilty. This is how you know you've really forgiven. Number three, he didn't even allow them to feel guilty. You say, Pastor, you don't understand. When my father walked out the door when I was a little boy, or the abuse I experienced at the hand of my mother, or you don't know what happened in my previous relationships, or you don't know what happened to me here or there. Listen, God knows about it. And God doesn't want you carrying it the rest of your life. He loves you too much for that. So come to Him. Come to Him. How I know I've really forgiven is when I'm not even allowing them to feel the guilty. You remember what the Lord said? 
Father, forgive them for they... You know what I believe? You've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it one more time. If you're new, you haven't heard me. My daddy drank a lot of liquor. And you just think about what comes when a person drinks a lot of liquor. That's why we hate liquor around here. We preach against it. Me and him both hate it. The Lord hates it too, just for the record. If you're tipping it at home, just remember, we hate it here. We believe what the Bible says about it. Abstain from it. Ooh, I'm glad I got to run that little trail. Lord, thank you for that. But my daddy, listen to this. I don't believe my daddy got up with that pint of liquor every day that he drank and think, let me drink this liquor so I can destroy the life of my children and family so that my wife will be a nervous wreck. I don't think so at all. He might not have known what he was doing. Didn't change the fact of the damage that it caused. But I, I've got to forgive that. If I don't forgive it, guess what? I'll continue in that cycle. Or either I, out of my anger, will, will hurt others. Hurt people, hurt people. You see that? Number three, don't even allow them to feel guilty. Number four, I love what he does too here. This may be the biggest one. I was trying to imagine what I would do if I'd have been in his shoes. In this moment. I'm, I'm ashamed of this. I'm not proud of it. Pray for me. I'm still growing. God's still doing a sanctifying work in me. But I probably would have said, now come here, I'm going to forgive you boy. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do before I do. You go back and you tell daddy what you did to me. You tell him that blood that was on that coat was not my blood, that that was the blood of that animal, and you tell him you put me in that pit. At least you boys are going to feel the heat for a minute. And then you tell him that I'm down here. But before you do, you tell him. Did you notice what happened? Look at verse 9, 45, 9. He said, hurry, haste you. He missed his daddy. He missed all of them. And go to, up to my father and say unto him, he gives him a script. Thus saith thy son Joseph. Joseph, Joseph is alive. God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and tarry not. I'm going to put you in the land of Goshen. It's going to be wonderful. Let me tell you number four. The fourth way you'll know you've really forgiven is when you protect the offender who's hurt you so greatly from their greatest fear. Protecting them from their greatest fear. One of the worst things that could have been imagined by those boys is we're going to have to go back and face daddy with what we've done. But instead, their brother gives them a grace-filled script. Go back and tell dad, God sent me here, and I'm here to protect you, and I'm here to provide you. Thank God for some fathers that'll take the right steps. And in this moment, Jacob jumps up. He sees these wagons coming. You remember that scripture? He can see the wagons coming. What in the world? That wagon's loaded up with everything you can imagine on it. It'd be like driving a, what's the biggest cool car ever now? Oh, forget it, I, can't, I don't even know what a cool car is anymore. Those new Broncos, the big one with the loaded all up. Here's a line of Broncos rolling in. And, and, and here in the middle of all that is those boys jumping out saying, Dad, guess what? We're going, we're leaving here. We're going to Goshen. Joseph's alive and he's made provision for us. What would have been terrible is them having to tell the whole truth and tell the whole story. Boy, Jesus does this for us, doesn't he? He takes our terrible story and he turns it into something sweet, what he did for us when he died for us on that cross. You know, I didn't say this in the early service, but I want to share it now. Let's look at the end of the picture. 17 years later, Genesis 50. Turn over to chapter 50 and verse 15. Oh, yes. 17 years later. Look at verse 15. This is at the death of the daddy. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, Genesis 50, 15, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us 
and will certainly requite or repay us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command thee. Daddy said, Don't kill us before he died, saying, So shall, that, shall, so shall you say unto Joseph, Look at the next word, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and, thy, and their sin, for they did, unto, they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, Say it with me. Forgive the trespass of thy servants, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Why do you think he wept? Because he had already forgiven. He's not going to bring down judgment on their head. Oh, no. You say, Pastor, I, don't, I just can't forgive. Well, let me tell you, after giving you those four things, how to know whether you have or not, I think there's a little conviction in here because some of us know we haven't. That boss, that untimely, uh, unfair termination that distance somebody just forgot about you whatever it is that leader that Christian leader that hurt you and fell into sin and you lost confidence in the people of God and leadership I don't know I, I am telling you this here's what forgiveness is not you ready for this are you ready say amen if you're ready number one forgiveness is not approving of what they did no number two forgiveness is not excusing it or justifying it we're not saying you know you're off the hook with God the Bible says vengeance is mine I will repay saith the Lord I don't have to God takes care of all that it's not approving of it it's not excusing or justifying it listen to this it's not reconciliation necessarily it doesn't mean you're going to have to go to supper with them Jesus didn't do that with everybody so it's not approval, it's not excusing or justifying, it's not reconciliation necessarily. It's not pretending that it never happened. Here's the danger of most believers. You stick your head in the sand and try to pretend like it never happened and you cannot operate with all that hurt. It needs to be gone and it'll only be gone by forgiveness. And finally, it's not forgetting. Oh, pastor, when you forgive, you forget it. Uh, who told you that? That's not in the Bible. Now let me tell you what it's not. It's not lording over them. It's not every time you see them thinking about it. But let me tell you what it is. God chooses not to remember my sin and yours. And he can give you the same capacity. And I don't know, as a 63-year-old man with a lot in my hard drive, you can tell me something today and I'll have forgotten it by tomorrow. Lots of times. And then I'll remember something that happened as a child. It's the craziest thing. But I'm going to tell you what forgiveness is not always. It's not always forgetting. You say, well, I, I must not have forgiven because I still remember. You might remember it, but you don't remember it with the same intensity and the same pain that you had before. Something happened in this church, and I'm going to tell you one more thing to be done. Right here in this building. There were walls where we have the columns here. Before we had the side balconies and the upper balconies, we were in this building one morning. The Holy Ghost really spoke to my heart, Pastor, about preaching this subject. And so uh, I, I preached on forgiveness. And that morning before I did, I've told this story before, but there was a man that I was mad at. I hadn't forgiven. He was a preacher. I had to call him. These all happened the same day. The Lord said, call him. I said, I don't want to call him. He hurt my feelings, Lord. I didn't hear it out loud, but I knew good and well. It was like, if you don't do it, you won't have power on you when you step up to preach. So I dialed the number up. He was at his church early that Sunday morning. This is a Sunday morning before I'm preaching in just a little while. He, 
picks up the phone, calls his name out, so-and-so, Pastor so-and-so from such-and-such a Baptist church. And I said, hello, this is Tom Wagner. Long, awkward pause. And I said, this morning the Holy Spirit spoke to me about something. He's probably spoken before. I feel convicted. I'm asking you to forgive me. There was something you said in the past that hurt me, made me mad, and I've had hard feelings towards you, and I want you to forgive me because I don't want that anymore. The Lord's convicted me of it. Another long, awkward pause. And he said, no, I need you to forgive me. I should have never said that in the first place. I said, no, you please forgive me. He said, no, I, we argued again on the telephone on who, on who was going to forgive which one first. When I got through that phone call, I hung that thing up, and I'm telling you right now, I was ready to go to church, and I was ready to preach on forgiveness because I had my heart right with God, Pastor. And it feels good to have your heart right with God. And not just because of feeling, but because I want to be holy and I want to be God's man. I want to deal with that. So I came to church to preach and that morning it broke loose. Somebody started it. Got up on this side and walked over to somebody on this side and I could see them reconciling. There was some forgiveness going on. People were in the altars. There were tears of flowing. Some of y'all might remember this. Some of you might not. But it was a hallelujah morning. That invitation continued and people were getting right with God. Getting right with each other. And a woman walked down the aisle that I'd never seen before. And by the way, I forgot who this is. The Lord knows my heart. I'm standing here with the Bible in my hand in the pulpit. I'm not telling a story. I have no idea who it was. I remember the story, but don't remember who it was. Thank you, God, for giving me selective memory so I can tell this story. Down the aisle she comes. I said, yes, ma'am, may I help you? I'm standing in the center aisle. She said, yes. You said a few minutes ago that if we have something in our heart towards somebody and we need to make it right, go to them. She said, I don't think that's wise for me. I said, well, explain that. She said, my ex-husband's in this room. And he's sitting beside his new wife. I said, you're right, sister. I'm glad you didn't go to him. We don't need a cat fight in the church. Can I get an amen on that? Listen to this. He, she said, but I want you to, and then the tears started to flow. She said, would you tell him something for me? I said, yes. Will you tell him that I was wrong and I feel the bulk of the responsibility of our broken family is mine? Would he please forgive me? We prayed together. She went back to her seat. After service, like a beeline, he comes up. I saw my ex-wife up her. What'd she say? I said, sir, called his name. I said, here's what she said. She said, she takes the bulk of the responsibility. She wants you to forgive her because she's asked God to forgive her and she feels responsible for most of your... He started to weep. He said, no, it wasn't just her, it was me too. We prayed together. He said, now will you go and tell her? I said, look, I'm not your errand boy, dude. She, your, hers or yours. No, I didn't say that to him. I said, sure, I'll tell her. I went and I said, give me that phone number. I called her later. But look, don't you think, listen to me. How much blessing to the children after folks get right with God on stuff like that? You say, they don't deserve being forgiven. Or I don't feel like forgiving them. It's not about your feeling. You get your flesh into it too much anyway. Whether you feel like it or not, it's a command of God. Forgive them. And if you've hurt somebody, go and ask them to forgive you. And that all hurts God. We need to ask Him to forgive us. And then forgive yourself. I don't have time to talk about that other than to tell you there's a chapter in that book about it. I like what he said. You know how a judge will have robes? He says sometimes we become judges of ourselves even though God's forgiven us. Or we become judge of others. He said, 
take off the judicial robe and let God be the judge and you stop trying to be the judge. Pretty good word. Now let me close with this. I got a bunch of stories, but I'm not going to tell them because of time. Jesus often gives us patterns, healthy, godly patterns. And I've, I, I've watched in studying Jesus' life, and really, Terry, we were in that marriage conference. You remember that? We were going through stuff ourselves. And we went there to that conference to get some help. We're sitting there with other pastors and their wives and Christian leaders. And that man pointed out the three Jesus. There were three steps of forgiveness that Jesus gave. I just want to mention them. The first one's in Matthew 26, verse 38. You'll know the scene. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The weight of sin is on him. And, and he said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Number one, face the hurt. Stop pretending like it didn't happen or you got over it or stop pretending like it's not there. It's marking you. Some of those quick responses and sarcastic comebacks are coming out of that hurt that you haven't gotten straightened out. Face the hurt. Jesus didn't say, I'm fine. No, he said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. And the last two come out of that verse in Luke 23, 34 where Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Number one, Face the hurt. Number two, understand the truth. They know not what they do. Most of the people who hurt you have no concept of the depth of the hurt they've caused. They might know a little of it, but they don't know the depth of it. James taught Sunday school this morning. I don't want to embarrass him, but he was the kind that if I ever said anything or done anything publicly or otherwise that smarted on him, I always could tell it. He can't hide it. He's like... Blank faced. So he'd, he'd piddle around for a day or two in the office, and sometimes I wouldn't even be aware of it. And then he'd come in there, and he'd say, can I talk to you a minute? Yes. He'd close the door, and I pretty much knew it then. He, this is usually the way he would say it. He'd say, Pastor Tom, we were in that meeting the other day, and you called me out on that thing in front of the other guys. It hurt my, It hurt me. And I've had a little unforgiveness in my heart. And the Lord's convicted me about it. I've asked him to forgive me. Now, in the, middle of, in the middle of this conversation, guess what's happening to me? I'm getting convicted. And the Lord that came to him is coming to me. I guess he's the spiritual one in that situation. Well, you with your spiritual, restore such a one. And I'm going over toward him like this, and he's coming at me like this. And we're hugging each other and crying, apologizing. And he goes out there with the joy again, and the big old blank face is gone. Here's all I'm telling you. This is a principle from the Word of God. They know not what they do. Most of the people that hurt you, I had no idea that had been the case. They don't know what they're doing. Thirdly and finally, face the hurt. My soul is sorrowful even unto death. Understand the truth. They know not what they do. Number three, here's the bottom line. Choose to forgive. It's your choice. As a born-again, blood-bought believer, it is your choice to bring that to God and to forgive them. It's not whether you want to or not. It's a commandment from God. Choose to forgive. Why? For your good. For God's glory. Choose to forgive. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Here's the first question I have this morning as we give an invitation. Here it is. Have you been forgiven? By God, I mean.
for your sin? Have you brought your sin to the cross and said, Lord Jesus, if you really did go to the cross for me to pay my sin debt, here I am. Here are those sins. I am a sinner and I'm ashamed of my sin and I hate them and I'm bringing them to you. Will you really pay for them? Have you really paid for them? Forgive me, Lord. I'm turning from them. I'm asking you to save me and wash me. If you've been born again in this room, you know you're saved and been forgiven by God. Don't be ashamed of it. Hold your hand real high just for a moment. I know I'm saved. I've experienced the forgiveness of God Almighty. Thank you for your honesty. Put them right down. Now, you, some of you hesitated. There were others who didn't raise your hand. Look here, I ain't mad at you. God ain't either. This whole church is here for you, for your soul, for your eternity, for the family after, after you're long gone, setting a legacy in place of the gospel. Jesus loves you, and this morning, He wants to forgive you. All you have to do is ask Him. He did the hard part. Just repent, turn from your sin, and believe the gospel. Jesus died, He was buried, and rose again the third day. And He'll write your name down in heaven. And you're His forever today. I hope you'll come in a minute. Or right there at your seat, cry out to God, Lord, save me, wash me. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. I wonder how many believers in this room, if you did what you know you ought to do, that person that's been right in front of your face or that situation or circumstance is there would you humble yourself enough remember how much a problem we have with pride to walk down an aisle if you can kneel kneel if you can't just stand or sit in these front seats and simply by coming saying you say why should I come I'll tell you why number one it shows humility number two your brothers and sisters in the room though they may not know the details they'll look and they'll be able to pray for a brother or a sister are facing these things would you do it father I pray that burdens would be lifted and people would be forgiven and big old heavy walls would come down this morning as we reach out to you and Lord if there's somebody in this room we need to forgive Lord if it's me help the people to come if it's our leadership help them to come Lord if there's somebody outside these walls may the sun not set tonight until we have gone to them to make things right please forgive me Lord, do do your work in the name of Jesus.